to Sugar Facts, episode 22. Episode 22, dawn of a new era. Here it is. That's what I like to call the it. The sun has risen on, on the second fifth of our 100, first 100 episodes. Take it away, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that's gold there. Yeah, that's... That is gold. I should go into marketing. You can't buy that. <laughs> Um, so what shot are you making? I don't know. It's just, it's orange forward. Orange forward. So I like to call it the cheeky, the cheeky citrus. Cheeky citrus. Yeah. A cheeky citrus shot. So you put rum. I put some nice rum. Some nice rum. Anejo. And some Cointreau. And some Cointreau and some orange juice. Delicious. Cheeky great. citrus. It's, it's a forward orange. Okay. That's a play on words. In what way? Well, because if you're forward, you're kind of like... You're presumptuous pro. and oh, and it's cheeky, so it's a, a slutty orange. <laughs> slutty or slutty citrus. A slutty citrus. Episode twenty-two. Cheers. Welcome back, guys. Mm. Not bad. Yum. It goes down easy. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Okay. Well, do you want to ask me if I have a sugar fact? No, I'll ask you. Maybe. It doesn't really matter either way because what's going to end up happening. Yeah. Just based on previous episodes, yeah. is that one or the other of us is going to start a sugar fag. The other one's going to interrupt. Ha, ha, ha. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do something else. Yeah. You are on a downward swing. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sugar Facts, where one of the hosts liked it, <laughs> and one of the other hosts just doesn't know how to break up. You know what I think it is? I think it's just the amount of time I spend in the goddamn <laughs> editing room. You know, I think it might be that. Yeah, you're and right. And then I think part of it, too, is just the absolute and utter indifference with which my labors are met. <laughs> that may contribute something. Hey, why don't you tell me how you really feel? <laughs> just for those at home, yeah. Brian is mad because my phone broke, so I haven't listened to the last two episodes. True. Four, I think it's... I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say two, possibly four. Well, okay, fine. I'm going to ask you now if yeah, you have yeah. a sugar fact, and then I'm going to interrupt you, <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you how to make banoffee pie, Wait. Bailey's banoffee pie. Oh, did the money did the money come in? No, nope, but oh. this might be the one we sent. Okay. Uh, Bailey's, if you're listening, hang on in there. It's worth it. We are going to do our best to make you proud. Yep. We do it for you, Bailey's. We do we everything do it for you. Every week for you. Yeah. Uh, Brian, do you have um, a sugar fact for tonight? Well, and I don't care. Mm, so, mm, 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 we're going to mm. make banoffee pie. Okay, that sounds difficult. It's going to be easy. Really? We can make it here at the bar with all the ingredients that we have. Oh, well, you know what? I didn't even notice that, but this yeah, literally bar is cluttered with ingredients. <laughs> I was yeah. wondering what the hell that was. Yeah, we've no, got cream, we've got, we've got butter, we've got... Honey, we've got these like crackers, gram, gram cookers... What Bananas. are they called again? Can you just say that again? Gram. Gram cookers? Gram cookers. Yeah. Oh, okay. God. Bananas, sugar, dark chocolate, so much butter. <laughs> we do have quite a lot of We've butter. Got well, definitely too what much What would you butter. say that is in cups? Seven. Seven cups of butter, at least. Maybe. Yeah, and brown <laughs> sugar and vanilla pods. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay, so what <laughs> we're going to make first, Bri, Yes. Is double cream. You know what I predict? Yep. I predict a very, very professional and mm -hmm. very calm, almost soothing um, episode. Yeah. Because I, I don't think cooking. we're going to fight at all. Oh, because you're cooking. <laughs> yeah, 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 for because, sure. For sure. You know what I mean? Oh, there's going to be a stark difference between episodes where I'm cooking and this one. Yeah. I think I'm going to bring a level of professionalism that I think people have been yearning for. 
Really? Well. If the comments are anything to go by. I'm happy with that because I never wanted to fucking cook. <laughs> and you are the one that made me do it. Yeah, but look what you've become. Still a bad and angry chef. Yeah, but so. now you've got the vocabulary, you know. <laughs> I'm no, not going to no. whip that. I'm not going to zest that. <laughs> See, these are words now you can use yeah. in your everyday life. I'm throwing my verbs in there. Okay. Um, so are you ready for this? Yeah, lay it on me, sister. So melt the butter on the stove, okay. constantly stirring over medium heat. I can't control the, the size of the heat. Okay. No, no, no. I, turns out I can't. Yeah, you can. <laughs> now, careful, Brian. Butter burns easily. So remove it from the heat. <laughs> <laughs> remove it from the heat when most of the butter has melted. Okay. And, and then you'll keep stirring when most of it's been melted. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like this is visually thrilling. Yes. But... Orally, A-U. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While you do that, so, Brian, yeah. I'm going to tell you about a rite of passage in Australia. A rite of passage? Yeah, I thought we could talk about rites of passage this evening. Okay, have you ever... What are, what are some rites of passage? Or should I... Uh, look, you know what? It's your... Do you want to concentrate on the butter? Well, it turns out it's the simplest thing in the world to do. <laughs> yeah. When that's done, yeah. it says you want to pour the cooled melted butter into the cream and stir. Pour the cold melted butter into, into the, cream. the cream. But into I reckon, cream. I don't so think we cream. have to do that. Oh, you. I why was looking for the shortcut this one. Why wouldn't you put the cream in the melted butter? What difference does it make? Yeah. Time to put the butter into the cream and then stir it. And then you'll have double cream. That's it? Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's your, that's your double cream. No. Mm-hmm. I did some reading yeah. about Indigenous Australian rites of passage. So we have something that most Australians know about, not we. Indigenous Australians have a custom that most Australians know about. It's very famous in popular culture, and it's called walkabout, the walkabout. Have you heard of the walkabout before? I have. Okay. What I did not know about this particular coming-of-age tradition is that it's got like it's often in, in a lot of tribes it's got two parts. Hmm. So first I'll tell you about the first part and then I'll tell you about the actual walkabout, maybe later when you when you're cooking another bit. Sound good? Yeah. I just like <laughs> you just got like such a concerned look on your face looking at the stove. No, nope, you're doing great. You're doing great. You just seem like you just really like I I don't know. Like, I mean I think it's gonna be fine. Smells delightful. You got ten minutes to cook it, so there's no point judging what it looks like now, is there? Okay. Way to crush my spirit, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time. Well, you know what? Who the fuck knows who, what could happen? Who knows what it's gonna look like in ten minutes? <laughs> so, how long do you think the indigenous people of Australia have lived in that country for? Forty-two years. Forty-two years. Forty-two years. That's, at least. Uh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people think it's about that. It's actually 50,000 years. No, it's not. Yeah, 50,000 years. I'm kidding. I knew that. Of course I knew that. <laughs> so during that time, they've obviously developed complex spiritual and cultural traditions. Yep. Unfortunately, many languages and traditions have followed out uh, have sorry have died out mm. following European colonization, but several have managed to survive. I thought European colonization was a great boon to the <laughs> to the indigenous. Oh my god! The outback. <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> Fifty thousand years. 
<laughs> no, Europeans have only been there for like 200 of those years. I thought they arrived together in harmony. What? In, what is going on? <laughs> uh, so two of these traditions that have survived are called the Bora and the Walkabout. Okay. So I'll tell you about the Bora first. Uh, so this type of initiation obviously varies between different Aboriginal cultures and, relig- and regions, yeah. but it is usually a pretty intense ceremony. Okay. So a group of ma- men typically gather at a special ceremonial ground mm-hmm. uh, where the boys are taught the secrets of the tribe's beliefs through traditional songs, dances, and stories. So that sounds nice. Sounds They're also often subject to physically demanding activities like scarification, genital mutilation, and tooth removal. I feel like genital mutilation should have come last on that list. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this. This was this was something oh, yeah. that I did not know. This I is during the walkabout or this is a separate? This is the Bora oh, tradition. Okay, sorry. I didn't know that Indigenous Australians practice genital mutilation. On, of, on boys. Oh, boys. On boys. Oh, okay. They can't, some, some tribes also practice it on girls as well. The type of genital mutilation most commonly practiced in these ceremonies is called penile sub-incision. Do you know what this is? I don't. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty gross. Um, penile what? Penile sub-incision. I just feel like any... Thing starting with the word penile is not going to. It's end not well. going to be great. No, uh, so it's a form of genital modification or mutilation consisting of a urethrotomy, oh in which the underside of the penis is incised and the urethra slit open lengthwise. Why? From the urethral opening, the urethral opening is called the metus, which I thought was interesting, uh, toward the base, and this slit can be varying lengths. So if you sort of imagine you've got like let's say a sausage and someone cuts from the tip of the sausage down the base, maybe all the way down to the base or maybe a third of the way, but it's like a deep cut. It like slits open the urethra. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. I think it's sort of like a, you survived that and you didn't show pain. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much. Oh, well, no, I do I'll get to it. They basically, it's like, oh, it's a spiritual tradition. This was given to us from uh, our, our, worst our spirits. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, subsist- uh, sub-incision is traditionally performed in many countries around the world, yeah. most notably in Australia, but also in Africa, South America, and the Polynesian and Melanesian cultures of the Pacific, often as a coming-of-age ritual. Right. Sub-incision, like circumcision – is typically takes place in this uh, around the people of the central desert of Australia, such as the Arente and the Luritja. The Arente word for subincision mm-hmm. is a realta and occurs as a rite of pa- passage ritual for adolescent boys. And it was given to these people by so the name of the spirit is Manga Kunja Kunja, a lizard man spirit being from the dream time. Do you know what the dream time is? I have a very vague notion of it. Right. So so the dream time is kind of like the indigenous uh, creation myth. Okay. It's kind of like the spiritual world. It's where we come from, where humans come from. It also exists in parallel to humans. Obviously, I'm not well-versed in the dream time, but that's more or less what it is. Uh, so this lizard man spirit from the dream time. Oh, Sorry. No, it's fine. 
um, a li- this lizard man spirit from the dream time gave this rite of passage to the people. And it's kind of like poetic. A sub-incised penis is thought to resemble a vulva. Oh. And the bleeding is likened to menstruation. Uh, the young men who endured this custom were also the only ones to learn a ceremonial language, Dharman. Uh, in later, oh yeah, in later ceremonies repeated throughout the adult life, um, a sub a sub incised penis can also be used as a site for ritual bloodletting. So in some tribes, you um, sort of get sub incised or mutilated um, when you're a teenager, and then later when you're married, you might cut it again. <laughs> As like a bloodletting thing for the marriage. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So so no ritual initiations uh, have t- been carried out in Queensland area for about half a century. So this special language has also died out. Oh, okay. So the Pitta, Pitta-Patta Aboriginal people. Pitta-Patta. Yeah, the Pitta-Patta, P-I-T-T-A-P-A-T-T-A. Aboriginal people in Australia also practice a form of intrusion. So this this one's really fucked up. This is when a girl oh, <laughs> compared the to the other, other one. ones. This is for girls. Mm-hmm. So when a girl reaches puberty, the whole tribe, both sexes, assembles. The operator, an elderly man, uh, enlarges the vaginal orifice by tearing it downward with three fingers, bound just bound downwards. In other districts, the, the perineum is split with a stone knife. Oh God! And according to this source. This is usually full, followed by compulsory sexual intercourse with a number of young men. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That's a bummer, That's man. nuts. It's so hard to talk about these things. This is where the whole, like, cultural relativism comes in, doesn't it? Because you're just kind of like, especially as a white Australian... Yeah. I feel really sensitive about the experience of Indigenous Australians in Australia and sure. the role that I've played in that. Right. And, like how so many cultures have died, so many Indigenous Australians today feel like a genuine sense of loss and grief for having lost those yeah. practices. And then you read things like this and you're like, well, get rid of that one. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't get be, rid of that, that one. That be happening. Yeah. So Indigenous cultures of the Amazon basin also practice sub-incision, mm. uh, as do Samburu herd boys of Kenya, who are said to perform sub-incisions on themselves or sometimes – Sometimes they're peers at age seven to ten. Can you imagine doing that to yourself? No. And you have to like you can't show pain. You can't do it. Right. In Samoa, what uh, happens if you do? Here's what I want to know. Right. What happens to uh, the person who's like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing this." Right. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I wonder, you become like ostracized. Out? Yeah. In Samoa, subincision of the foreskin uh, was ritually purport- performed upon. Young men, as was in Hawaii, where sub-incision of the foreskin is reported to have been performed at age six or seven. Mm. Uh, so there's commonalities through that sort of Pacific right, yeah, yeah. area. Um, this intense group initiation helps a young man feel like part of the men. They're physically accepted by the other men and share in group experiences which cement the bonds between people which is if you've kind of a culture which is uh, reliant on hunting and warfare. I know, that's fucking amazing. Yum! Is that not really good? Yeah, right? really good. Yeah. i got some beans. I yeah, think we might have to strain it. And that's that. That's sub-incision. Never heard of this kind of 
genital mutilation before. No, it's gruesome. Super gruesome. Super, super gruesome. I find the description unsettling. Yeah. And it's also, it's so ritualistic. So one of these tribes that I read about, the way that it works is they sort of dig a hole in the ground. A man lies face down on the ground. Mm -hmm. And then the young man who's being initiated then lies with his back on the young man's back, on the other man's back. Right. So like a guy becomes a table. The young man lies on the man table. Right. And then someone else comes along and then cuts a slit in his penis. Dear God. Yeah. And like other forms of circumcision, it causes so many problems. Like, oh, does it? Yeah, yeah like problems peeing. It affects your your ability to uh, impregnate a woman. Oh, like, really? it affects fertility rates. I feel like it was a practical joke that this has gone on far too long. Like, someone was just fucking with somebody else. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, cut your penis, dude. We're the, all doing it. This is what the God said. You have yeah. to do it. Like and just, now it's still going yeah. on. The fact that it happens in all these islands of the Pacific seems to indicate that it's a really ancient tradition. So if we're saying indigenous Australians have lived in Australia for 50,000 years, and yet Pacific cultures, a range of Pacific cultures practice this, you'd almost think, oh, thanks. Yeah. What did you make? Just some thing, I don't know. Rum and some stuff. Tropical. Delicious. Yum. Love that. And the drink, the tropical drink is great. Well, and that's how you make vanilla paste, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> did we, did you talk through all the steps or did that just happen in the background of the hell that I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's why, yeah. <laughs> I was flavored with a little bit of penile incision. <laughs> vanilla paste with an extra dash of vaginal ripping. <laughs> with their hands. <laughs> With their hands. Yeah, yeah, with their hands. And sometimes a stone. Do you have a rite of passage you'd like to share, Brian? I do. I have three. Okay, cool. This is an interesting one. Um, so in Russia, uh, about 2000 BC. Ooh. 4,020 years ago. I've never even thought about ancient Russia. Okay, ancient Russia. Ancient Russia, 2000 BC. Uh, young men on the Russian steppes. Have you ever been to the steppes? No. No, neither have I. Where are the steppes? North. North Russia? North of the... North uh, universe. Escalators. <laughs> hey, we'll be here all night. Um, I don't know. Scandinavia? No, sorry. Uh, what's the place? Siberia. Oh, okay, yeah. So anyway, uh, so young, young men on the Russian steppes were uh, forced to kill... Oh, this is really apropos. Kill and eat their own dogs. Oh. To be seen as adults. Oh. Yeah. It was a hard life. Young boys would have been forced to grow up fast. So archaeologists studied uh, these Bronze Age Age settlements. This is how young boys at that time would come of age. So had they like raised the dog until then and like loved the dog? Exactly. Each winter, the villagers would kill the dogs they lived alongside. Wow. Yeah, so they had them as guard dogs. And what, like keep the puppies or something? Well, they had... Oh, yeah. How do they, like, not run out of puppies? Run out of dogs, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, they probably did that. It doesn't specify that. Um, I think you're... I mean, 
they're just simple archaeologists. Like, they <laughs> don't have all the answers. Sorry. <laughs> Your face in archaeology is... I'm trying to think of the, the practicality of that. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They, would, they would raise dogs, and then they would kill some and keep the puppies. Keep the younger yeah. ones. But every winter, though, they would do this. So they had so these dogs that were guarding the sheep, mm. guarding the, the, the village. It was kind of gruesome, right? So they, they definitely kept them as pets. Yeah. Yeah, and they became attached to the dogs. Oh, yeah, I know. And the thing is, is that the the young boys, they wouldn't just have to kill the dogs. They would have to skin them, like butcher them, and right. then eat them. Right. Yeah. So if they did all that, if they, if they managed to do that without crying. Without crying. You're, you're one of the guys now. What? Yeah. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. We're all... Yeah. Toxic masculinity? Done. We won't hear about this for thousands of years. <laughs> Isn't that strange, though, that, like, Mm. the idea of being a man, being masculine worldwide has something to do with not showing emotions? Yeah, it does seem to be a theme. What's that about? Well, you know, you chicks are just always going on and on and crying all the time. You know, someone, so someone's, someone's going to hold it together. Jesus. (laughs) We can't all be like, oh, is that a mammoth? Is that a saber-toothed tiger? Jesus. Oh my god! A dragon is attacking our village. That was 2000 BC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it just seems really strange. Right. All right. So this is about bullet ants. Cool. Okay. The Mawe. They're also known as the Satere. Okay. Where if you had are they known them where? as the Satere, that is in fact what I'm referring to as the Mawe. Okay. Yeah. Where are they based? The Amazon. Cool. The Brazilian part of the Amazon. Cool. How big are these ants? What ants? I haven't said anything about ants. Did you say ants? Oh, yeah. That was the title of it, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Good job. Oh, Just wanted to see... I know the thing you're talking about. You're, okay. Do you know that one? Yeah, I know this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's quick. If you're a Maui, again, a boy, you want to become a man, you have to experience the worst pain the jungle has to offer, the sting of the bullet ants. The bullet ant. So it's a species of ant, as you may have Mm -hmm. guessed, with the most painful sting of any insect. It feels comparable. The sting of of this ant feels comparable to being shot with a bullet. Jesus. I know. All right, let's get back. It feels like being being shot shot with a bullet, apparently. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Here's the thing it ranks four out of four on the Schmidt. Sting pain index. Jesus. Yeah. Didn't even know we had a Schmidt pain. We got one. Did poor old Schmidt just go and test every single insect and then subjectively create his own index? That's a that's a that's a two. Yeah. And then he gets to the Amazon like fuck. (laughs) Oh, I gotta do those goddamn ants. God damn it. Can I? What if I just say it's a ten? What if I just (laughs) say? Do I have to do it? Also four. I mean, if your scale is one to four, it's oh, is that what it is? It's only one to four. So this doesn't think much of ants. Horrifying world. pain you can experience is a four <laughs> out of four. I reckon he didn't do it. You don't think he did it? Huh? Yeah. He just was like, oh, wow, it looks like a four. Yeah. I looked up the Schmidt pain index. So, yeah. So, one is, it's, it's quite poetic the way he describes the levels of pain. Right. So, one is, what was one? One was like um, having like a single hair like singed with like a match. Is that painful? No. Okay, cool. It's just a one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then two was... Oh, two was a uh, a lover biting your earlobe, but just a little bit harder than normal. Okay. This is real, like that's wow. The, where yeah. is he coming up with this shit? I don't know. Yeah, and then and then what's three? I don't know. And then number four is getting shot, shot in the head, head. of the bullet. <laughs> 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 
Oh, just a singeing of the hair. We have a no, lover's love, love bite. And a bullet to the hand. It escalates Yeah, the a lot. dude's got to learn about yeah, scales. From three to four, it's fucking epic. Oh, schman. Yeah. So three, yeah, three is like, you know, what would three be? Three would be like, you know, nicking your, like, you know, neck when you're shaving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or just, um... Maybe just cutting cutting your nose on a on a fork. Yeah, <laughs> cutting your nose on a fork. Yeah, that happens all the time. Does that happen to you? <laughs> Gotta get your right. I've been telling you that since we first met. You know, um, it's the first thing just I noticed. Trying to, trying to eat my dinner. Oh, fork. Do in you the know nose. that's actually why I started talking to you in the first? I saw the, you over the, the fork in my nose. You just had that fork in your nose. I'm like, oh, there's she, she needs. She a needs help. a friend. She needs a friend. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, so what do these Amazonians? First time using a fork. <laughs> I remember my first fork. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Look, they're not laughing at you. Yeah. <laughs> what does this tribe do with the ants? Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, apparently there's a tarantula hawk. That's also a four. There's only two. A tarantula hawk? I know. Doesn't that sound fucking terrifying? What is it? Is it a hawk? You mean like, like a, a hawk tarantula? <laughs> I don't know. What could that be? And you know what I think it is? I think it's tarantulas that catch eat and hawks. eat hawks. Holy I, I think fuck. that's a real thing. Holy fuck. They leap out of the trees and just... Oh, boy. Latch onto well, a that's a phobia I now have. <laughs> tarantula hawks. Jesus. Yeah, so only those two. Bullet ants and tarantula hawks. Okay. Yeah, so this thing is described as both wildly painful and excruciating in its duration. Okay. So not only does it hurt, but it fucking goes on forever. Right. It's just huge waves and crescendos of burning pain. Pain continues for up to 24 hours. Wow. Receding and returning regularly. That sucks. And so what they do, isn't it? They have these gloves yeah. filled with ants, and then the yeah. men have to put their hands in those gloves and just get bitten to shit by these ants. Way to give away the ending. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Oh, no, 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 no. I was leading up. See, what I'm doing here Cut is that I'm, out, building, Max. I'm building tension. Cut that out, Max. Yeah. Refer to chapter seven. Well, now you fucked it up. I'm sorry. We can cut it No, no, no. What they do, what they do is they actually, it's, it's way more interesting than that. Okay. Cool. And that's the, that's the Hollywood version. Okay. Sorry. Right? Sorry. What do they tell me in reality? What do so, they do? so, so an elder of the tribe mm -hmm. gathers up all these bullet ants and then they, they knock them out with like this like narcotic they make. Okay. They do like a paste. To put them to sleep. To put the ants, like, so the ants get knocked out for a certain amount of time. And then what they do is they do, they do get gloves. They're described as sort of being like oven mitts. Yeah. It's like big, thick gloves. Mm -hmm. And then they, but they lace these ants into the inside of the glove with their stingers pointing out. So by the time they've done that, like 20, 30 ants, um, then the ants wake up. And then the kid has to stick his hand in the mitt. And you have to leave it in there for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Just that over and over and over again. That's not even it. You have to do this like up to 20 times. What? Yeah, before you're a man. So it's not just like one In one day? day. No, or no, a, no, no, no. Like, like 20 over, separate over ceremonies. Years. Yeah, there's like wow. 20 different times you got to do this. And then finally you're a man. Wow. Yeah. All right. Let me, while you're doing that, let me tell you about the walkabout. Okay. Didn't you? All right. Yeah. Part two. Part two. Part two. <clears throat> okay. The first part of the coming of age ceremony that I talked to you about was the, what was the word? Intra, uh, penile subincision. Yes. Um, do you want to see a photo, by the way? No, no, I don't. Okay. Give the lighter. And I will not put it on uh, Facebook either. It's there. But. So the walkabout ceremony is a physical and spiritual rite of passage for young men between the ages of 10 and 16. Have you heard about this before? 
The walkabout, yeah. Yeah. What, not, what, so what, what's, what do you know I about? always sort of imagined it like, you know, you just sort of leave the wherever and just go wander out of the bush and maybe get a vision or two and come back. Yeah. Something like that. That's like, that's kind of like, that's what pop culture has yeah. done to the walkabout or like, oh, where's my, in Australia, it's like a mm. common expression. Where are my keys? They've gone walkabout. Where's, uh, where's Dave? Oh, he's gone walkabout. Right. It right. just means like something's lost. But actually, walkabout is a very deliberate spiritual ceremony. And men will train for years before. Oh, like, young right? boys okay. will train for, like, years before they get mm. on one of these. So what it is, it's a journey over ancestral lands that yeah. would typically, and men still do it today, typically takes about six months. In the past, definitely, it was mentally and physically demanding. And young men would have to prove they were up to the task before they got approval from elders before they did it. Okay. Um, How would they prove that? Uh, I'll tell you. In the years before their walkabout, they were given advice about surviving physically and also knowledge about their adult lives. So talking about what it means to be an adult, like, okay, this is how you survive in the bush, but this is also what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so for years and years and years, they're trained up like this in their community. Okay. And then they go off. They go off on their walkabout. Young men undertaking the walkabout ceremony were dressed distinctively so that people would know what they were doing. Different tribes or different oh, okay. people would know what they were doing. Right. They would be painted with paint and ornaments and would traditionally only dress in a loincloth. Now, was it just like, this is a solo thing? Yeah, totally solo. Okay. The original gap year. So Australia, famously, is a dangerous country. Right. So young men would have to learn how and where to get clean water, how to build a safe shelter, and how to hunt for food. They'd have to hunt, fish, identify the edible plants, and also know which plants were medicinal so as to tend to their wounds. The walkabout was also uh, a test of bravery. The boys that took part would risk getting lost, injury, or death. I mean, they'd have to sleep alone at night in the wilderness. So that's something that would scare the shit out of anyone. Yeah, what um, are the big animals that could get you in the Australian wilderness? It's not even big animals. It's the little ones. Oh, like the snakes. Spiders, spiders snakes and spiders. Yeah, we didn't have any big, big ones. I mean, we used to have Tasmanian devils, which were kind of like our tigers in Tasmania. Right, dingoes. Yeah, dingoes can get you. Yeah, and they'd have to use the time alone to like to reflect on spiritual issues, but also to ans- honor. The man would have to honor his ancestors who would have done the walkabout before him. This is the coolest thing that I have never heard of and never even like conceptualized before so boys are taught to sing traditional spiritual songs called uh, song lines these songs are special not just as a way to pass the time but they're also a kind of map so the boys uh, did not have compasses or dawn maps and so the songs would describe the landscape and the milestones such as rivers and rock formations. And so they'd make the journey with the aid of these songs. They'd, they'd have the song to tell them where to go and how to travel through the land. Uh-huh. Uh, it would also tell them where the hunting grounds were, uh, where the wallabies are, where seeds and wild fruits for cooking are located. And the song lines were also a way of giving thanks to the earth for her resources. So song lines. Why, why lines? What's the line? It's just called of? song lines. Is that right? Is that a? Uh, I mean, I guess it, lines it, has something to do with the map element of them. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so there's some, so, so, so they're not just informative, but they're kind of like a worship of the earth. Like, thank you. see the amount of effort I'm doing. You're doing a great job. So the whole experience of the world. What am I supposed to do with this, real quick? What am I supposed to do with um, this? Just hold on to it. No. Yeah, dude, we're not, we don't use it yet. All right, continue. Uh, yep. So obviously, something like this would have a long-term impact on each of the men. It's a spiritual mm. and physical journey. I mean, I could only see it being beneficial. If you survive something like that, which I suppose most men would do if you had trained and prepared properly. Yeah, hopefully. Like that's really amazing to encourage your the boys of your tribe to be going out and like deeply engaging with issues spiritually. I think. Now, There's would a they- depth to that that we don't have in Western culture. Yeah, true. Now, would, was there like a debriefing at the end of it? Would they have to like sort of like tell Come about their adventures? Tell? I assume they would. I assume right. it would form a part of their stories that they right. would tell. But I didn't read anything specifically about that. So times have changed, but many young men still want to complete the walkabout today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't commit to like a long-term walkabout due to school or work obligations. Uh, many men might do their walkabout as a road trip these days. Oh, really? So they'll drive through their ancestral grounds. Now, is this just confined to indigenous men? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. White men don't do this. They don't do that. No. But they do, though. You know they do, though, right? Well, it's called backpacking. <laughs> That's cool, backpacking. But there's, but still, if you go backpacking in like Europe or South America, mm-hmm. you don't have this ancestral spiritual element to it. It's, it's almost it's no. quite hedonistic instead. Right. Yeah, yeah. This was not a hedonistic kind of pursuit. Yeah. So there, so there's a huge issue with depression and helplessness with young Aboriginal men today. Mm. Uh, and some people argue that um, if the walkabout were more widely practiced, if if mm, men were encouraged to really like go out into the wilderness and survive and connect, right. um, this might help them thrive, thrive, thrive more than they than they currently can today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the walkabout. What I'm, have you got for us, Bri? Okay, well, give us your. Let's take this down to the road. <laughs> let's take this down to the road. Put it on a truck. Load it up. And drive it across the state. And just drop it off in some trash heap. All right. So we've examined some some fun. We've had a fun trip. We've had a fun trip around the world. Yeah. Where have we been so far? We've been to ancient Siberia, right? Siberia. Australia. Australia. We've been to the Papua New Guinea. Amazon. We've been to Papua New Guinea. Have we been to Papua New Guinea? I kind of briefly talked about it. You mentioned that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a a crazy journey we've taken. Mm Mm-hmm. What I'd like to talk about are some rituals from my country. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. We're finally going to talk about Hawaii. I've been mean, begging you to talk more about Hawaii. Um, well, I mean, not exactly. Oh, okay. Go on. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about the rituals of patriotism. Mm-hmm. Patriotism, consumerism. Yeah, yep. I think that's it. Just that's patriotism, <laughs> yeah. consumerism. Well, not very twenty nineteen of you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's twenty twenty, so is that an insult? No, but I can't. I can't. Twenty uh, twenty hasn't happened enough yet to make a comment about. Oh, what is twenty twenty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen was very much both of those things. Yeah, Western rituals. I want to talk about the preeminent ritual in American culture. The Super Bowl. Mm. 
know about the Super what Bowl. What is the fucking deal with the Super Bowl? Why well, is it so big? It's, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, that doesn't answer my question. Well, here's the thing, man. So, with sporting events, what do you get? You get the national anthem. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do that in Australia? Yep. The fuck, man? What is that? Yeah, I mean, nationalism hasn't died out. It's not dying out. It's definitely not dying out. I mean, I think, I think, if anything, there's a resurgence of it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and and I think it's there's some ritualized violence there, especially with American football. With Super Bowl, yeah. But yeah. very ritualized, though. You know, it's because mm -hmm. it's at the end of the day, it's like a bunch of dudes with like 17 inches of padding just mm -hmm. slamming into each other, right? That's what a lot of these contact sports are. It's like conceding that men want to be violent. Like you guys have this like streak that you have to get out. Mm -hmm. And so we accommodate for it in sport mm -hmm. we say oh in the bar on the street in your homes not cool right on this grass patch go for it but yeah but you could make the argument that maybe that that's a good that's a good venue for it mm -hmm. it's better than you know in the deserts of afghanistan or iran do you, do you think, think that men have an inherent violent streak no that they should get out somehow no well no or is it, an, or is no. it an impulse that should be controlled, just like anyone else? I think I have a violent streak. Right. I have road rage temper. Yeah. That I kept under control for a long time, and then the last four weeks I've been like road ragey. Oh, have you really? Mm, if someone pulls out in front of me, <coughs> yeah. Like classic Taiwanese driving shit. Mm -hmm. Someone pull out in front of you. Someone makes some sort of dangerous three like three point turn mm -hmm. like just anything mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. even slightly dangerous mm -hmm. i let loose all my frustrations with the world on that person i do that too right yeah. but then we live in a country where no one honks their horn right so i feel like well, what am i doing i'm not i could tell myself i'm trying to teach them a lesson i'm not i'm trying to get out my frustration on this person who is endangering my life and my dog's life right but at the same time my motivation for beeping the horn is not Anything other than I fucking hate you. I'm gonna get it out. Yeah, but I think that should be an impulse. That like that's an impulse that should be controlled. But that's a fairly benign release, though. Well, I don't all know. I'm saying is like it seems yeah. like all humans have a violent streak. People kill people whether or not they're man or women, man, a guy or a woman. Yeah. But, like, the whole sporting thing, you're right, is, like, ritualized violence. But it seems like, oh, it's natural to them, so let's just codify it. Let's, like, give them an avenue. I don't really mind the sport itself. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit about the sport itself. I like, you know, when I was a kid, I, I liked running around the park and playing games and stuff. I never, I never played. Was it the one where it was, like, um, facilitate a beat-up of Billy? <laughs> that game? <laughs> Help! Help! Billy hit the edge of the cliff. Seems like you're on a roll here. Why don't you keep nope, going that's here? It. That's all I got. Is that it? That's all I got. Okay. It's not that. It's I. I, I don't. I, I get annoyed when it's like we have to do. We all have to stand and sing the national anthem. Yeah. Also, another gigantic part of the Super Bowl are the commercials. That's a fairly modern thing, but not that. I mean, maybe the last thirty years. Right, it's huge, but I mean, if anyone it's a reveling pays enough to get a Super Bowl ad, they're normally pretty good at. It's five million dollars for thirty seconds. That's crazy. Right, it's five. It is. I would love just 
just do a sugar tax? Oh. I was just thinking maybe we should. Should we just do a write fundraiser? A, you know what? We'll write a proposal. We'll send yeah. it off to the NFL. Hey, guys. Look. Sure. Could you get $5 million from Doritos? Yes. You could get 100 Taiwanese dollars from us. <laughs> just try it. Take a risk. Take a risk. Take a chance. Do 20, something 20, different. 2020 is all about thinking outside the box. Think outside the box, guys. So it's really interesting, right? So you have this very ritualized event which like the entire country kind of stops mm-hmm. for Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't watch sports, but I know so many of the teams of football. I yeah. just know them. They're in my head, right? Mm-hmm. I know some of the players. I know all this shit, right? And there are specific rituals. It's like the 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 halftime game, right? The mm-hmm. halftime game. It's like this extravaganza of like the most like kitschy shit imaginable right so like sometimes they have good people but you have to blow everything up times a thousand Mm. right you know so you could have like a lady gaga like you know you could you could like who's an artist who does actual like work Mm -hmm. but now she's on the super bowl stage right and it's just gonna be this fucking explosion Mm -hmm. you have the ads right it's which is just this like orgy of consumerism which is and 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 it, and it and it is kind of like a rite though. It's like a rite of passage. We're Americans. What do we want? We want run around and beat shit up. We want to buy a bunch of shit. Yeah. Right. And we want we like the biggest the spectacle that the world yeah. has ever seen. Yeah. Which is very and I'm sorry, but fucking kind of fascistic. Yeah. I it mean, does kind of have echoes of that. I went, I did a course in, at uni, which was about American exceptionalism. Yeah. And one of the elements of that was your sports. Yeah. America has very unique sports, like baseball. Right. Okay. Baseball is big in Taiwan, but baseball Most is people an don't American play sports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, American football. American football like, is crazy. Your exceptionalism <laughs> right. ex- extends to your national sports. Yeah. So you're like, we're going to create our own shit because we are better than everyone else. <laughs> Now and then you have the uh, the protests, right? So you got the call, you know, Colin Kaepernick. Okay, so mm. there's you know, was it Colin? Yeah, isn't Kaepernick like the Supreme Court judge? No, that was Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh. <sighs> Brett Kavanaugh. We talk about that. Who's Colin Ka- Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick is a football player. Oh, did he punch his wife in the elevator? <laughs> what? No, one of them did. I don't know that one. Okay, who's Colin? Colin was the guy that took the knee during the anthem. Oh, that's how I knew Sort of in solidarity black with Black Lives Matter, yeah. Was he a black guy? He was a black guy. Okay. He is a black guy. Was he? He still is. <laughs> well, no, after that he was Two like, oh, it sucks to be black. And now, he's, now he's white. I'm white facing. Now he's fine. And, uh, and no. he can, he can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Now. <laughs> Taking a knee during the national anthem mm-hmm. in protest. Mm-hmm. Freaked out a lot of like, uh, well... Generally speaking, really kind of diehard sports fans generally kind of skew more conservative mm-hmm. in general, not always. And so um, there was a lot of backlash against that. Like, what the hell, man? You know, this is... But see, this is the part that fucking irritates me. Their point is like, this is a sporting event. Why do you got to bring politics in it? And you're like, well, there's literally jets flying over the stadium and like we've got the national anthem the whole fucking thing is a celebration of like american might and all the myths that we tell ourselves right 
So I just, I thought I'd do my part and bring that up and hopefully uh, solve the problem. Change you know, the world. Change the world. Yeah. As we do here at Sugar Facts. That's a Sugar Facts guarantee. That's a Sugar Facts guarantee. Another one of our guarantees. Listen to the podcast, the world will change. The world will change. In very subtle ways. Tell your friends. You may not notice it for the next 20 years. Yeah. But eventually, one day, they'll say, hey, is the world a better place? Yeah. Why? What happened? Wasn't that sugar? Might, might it have been that? I don't know. I mean, I listened to it last week and, you know, now that, I'm a person. that Brian, not so much Joe, but I mean, that Brian, he really brought up some great points. Why would you do that? <laughs> All right, great. Is that your bit done? Yeah, it's that. So, okay. Well, that's interesting. Rituals. Crazy rituals. <laughs> Segways by Brian. <laughs> Get your segways here. Hey, segways. Free segways. Buy one, get one free. What kind of segways do you want? Segways. I got, I got. got smooth uh, ones. I got weird ones. I got rough. Slow ones. I got fast ones. Segways by Brian. Segways. Segways, segways. Get your segways here. What are you trying to segue from what to what? Transitions? I got transitions as well. What are we talking about? Dark to light, light to dark, childhood to adulthood. Adulthood to childhood. Mm. Bit trickier, a bit more expensive. A little bit more expensive. Segways, segways. Get your segways here. Hot out. Fresh segways. Hot out of the oven. (laughs) (laughs) Segways. This is my segway, and this is what my segway is. This is my segway. Since you were talking about that thing, I decided to talk about this thing. And that's what we call a segway. What were you talking about before? Let's talk about this other thing. It's slightly related. How do we join them up? With a segue. With a segue. How do we join them up? With a segue. With a segue. Give me an example of a good segue. You said this. I'll say that. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a really good segue. What's You'll a- take it. It's the lowest price. How much, how much does a Segway cost? This Talking one is $20. $20? That's fucking expensive, man. How is it? Segway! Segway! <laughs> Talking about a Segway. Price of Segways, price of humor. Here we go. That's a Segway. <laughs> That's an example of a Segway. That's an example of a Segway. That's an example of a low price Segway. That's an example of a Segway. Okay. I noticed you been wearing this, and I want to talk about this. Oh, hey, okay. <laughs> what? Is that an example of? <laughs> that's a medium price segue. That's, that's a medium, that's a medium price, price segue. Jimmy, go in the back and find the high price segways. <laughs> We're all out of high price segways. Right, well, that's We're the problem. We're all out of high price segways. Sorry for the lack of high price segways. We just had Christmas. You want some of this? Yeah, I do. Do you have chocolate on your face or is that a scab? <laughs> oh, that's the herpes. <laughs> no, it's like, oh. it's like under. Yeah, it was chocolate. Mm, oh, you dragged it all the way down. Well, I was, yeah, was fucking <laughs> grinding up. Who the fuck knows what I was doing back there behind the bar? I didn't know. They were rough times. They were rough times. Maybe it was scabies. I didn't want to say anything. What is scabies? I couldn't tell you. So we've we've looked at some weird cultures. I'm not sure you're allowed to say weird cultures. Well, I said it ironically, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> the Nuremberg Trials. Yeah. I did it ironically. ironically. My signature was obviously a farce. 
Yep. Those men died sarcastically. <laughs> hey, so um, that was cool. Yeah, rituals. Who knew? Who knew? I've learned a lot. Have you learned a lot? Yeah, let's go over what I've learned. I've learned. Uh, it. No. Okay. All right. So my sugar <laughs> fact. Uh, last year, yeah. in 2019, zoo coat. <sighs> See, this is how I know I'm hammered. Last year, zookeepers at the Melbourne Zoo said they were weaning some animals off of fruit because they were too sweet for the animal's own good. Red pandas and primates had been gaining weight and some had signs of tooth decay as well. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I'm listening. So apparently cultivated fruits are genetic, genetic... Try it again. Come on, Joe. Sober. Sober, 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 sober. <laughs> sober. Get sober. Pull it together. So apparently, cultivated fruits are genetically modified via selective breeding so as to be much higher in sugar content than their ancestral fruits. That's it, basically. Okay. Uh, so if you eat an apple in yeah. 2020, it's 2020 being apple. breeded specifically to be sweeter than an apple 20 years ago. That's cool. Uh, so that means that at this Melbourne Zoo, keepers have switched red panda diets from fruits to little nutritional pellets sweetened with just a little bit of pear. Mm. And they've treated up fruits for other animals with green leafy vegetables, which are still rich in nutrients. But they're not banoffee pies, are they? Mm, no, they're not. They're really not. Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yeah? I feel like, uh, well, you mentioned pears. Okay. Right? Yeah, I did, I did. You that. did mention pears. I feel like we don't talk about pears enough on this podcast. I thought that too. Right? Yeah. When was the last time we even we even mentioned pears? Dude, like 2019. Yeah. Earliest. Early. Latest. I would like to talk about another aspect of sugar. Do you um, have any experience with placebos? Placebos. I, I, I know you know what they are. Okay. Because, you know, placebos are basically sugar pills. Mm-hmm. Right? In clinical trials, people reported adverse effects from sugar pills sometimes. Oh. One in 20 people that. who were taking placebos dropped out of some trials because they felt like there were very serious adverse effects. Mm-hmm. And the adverse effects ranged from uh, everything from abdominal pain to burning chest pain, fatigue, and even death. Just from, just from going through a trial where they're trying to figure out, like, oh, okay, what's the difference between a placebo and a real thing? Well, now, what they realize, though... That sounds like my reaction to sugar. Death. Yeah. Well, what they found was that um, it, it's all about the framing of the question... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, of the trial question, right? It's called mis- misattribution. Misattribution. Yeah, she was the winner of the. Uh, oh, she's lovely. Uh, the, the, of the attribution final beauty contest. Loved it. Misattribution. No, she had so much to say. I found her. I could not. Literally, I could not stop listening. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet for you. Yeah. Yeah. Misattribution. She wore beer shaped bikinis, if I remember. Beer shaped bikinis. Hmm. So. Multiple bikinis. Bikinis on top of other bikinis. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it was. It no was, wonder you were enraptured. I love a good beer. Full stop. Full <laughs> yeah. stop. All right. So someone in a trial might have a stomach ache, mm-hmm. right? But you might have a stomach ache for different reasons. Constantly. That are related to the trial, mm-hmm. right? But because you're in a trial, you think the trial intervention caused the stomach ache. So you misattribute the cause. 
And then this gets reported as an adverse event when in fact it might have happened anyway. Mm -hmm. None of this makes sense for now. I'm almost done. We've had a lot to drink tonight, guys. So much. Yeah. So much. I'm hammered. Yeah, I know. I'm wasted. Are you? I feel like I'm the only one. Well, you hold it together, baby. I do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, sometimes. All right. I'm holding it for this. I'm doing it for this. I'm doing it for this. I don't know. I guess the point, though, is that um, if okay, so for example, if you if you tell like people in a trial that um, you know it's this 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 treatment is safe for ninety percent of patients. Now that's exactly the same thing as saying it it causes adverse effects for ten percent of patients. That's correct. But if you say it's safe for 90% of the patients, what they found was 90% of the people would have been like, ah, I'm fine. I love it. But if you say... Give me more. Yeah, that's it. Okay. A what? Come on. Finish <laughs> it. No, that's it. That's it. Like, Give it a punchline. And that's why we always say, that's Justin's beaver. God damn it. So what you were saying yeah. is that in medical pill trials, yeah. pharmaceutical trials, yeah, yeah. the sugar pill yeah. or the sugar substitute yeah. creates almost similar effects as a real drug. Yeah, that's that's the placebo effect. Mm. Now if they say if if the if the if the trial people are like, Oh well, you know, this this thing we're about to give you, it causes some side effects in 10% of the people, then more people will be likely to report negative side effects. Because 10% is still quite a big number. It's just the way you phrased it. If you say that we're going to do this thing, don't worry, 90% of the people that take this are totally fine. Yeah, so fewer people report negative yeah. side effects. Yeah. Wow, okay. But even within like trials of placebos, which nothing is happening, mm -hmm. either way, Mm -hmm. No, no, no positive or negative. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing to me that, um, you know, that we're capable, the human body is capable of so much, so much that is good. Falsehood. So Falsehood. Much, so much that is terrible. <sighs> Give me one second. I mean, I believe you. Yeah. Getting all hot and sweaty. Yeah. I might puke in your sink. All right. Well, take it easy. Take it no. easy. Let's wrap it up. We're, we're, we're in the process. Thanks, guys. This has been episode 22. It turned out we got slightly more drunk than we intended Sorry. to. Sorry. It's been a big one, guys. Enjoy your banoffee pies, though. They're good. You may or may not be able to see them online. We did take pictures. Did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. They were awful. They were terrible. All right. Well, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Yep. And as always, like us in real life. Like us in real life. Share us amongst your friends. Like us in real life, life and share us amongst your friends. We can say that. We can. We can it's do whatever we want. It's a different reality. <sighs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace. Don't do that ever again. I'm going to puke. Oh.